the chosen, and that's what we're going to be watching on Wednesday nights following Easter. So I want to invite you and your families to come out. It's excellently produced. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a really popular series. And I heard that season two is coming out on Easter, the first episode. So mark your calendars. The Wednesday after Easter, we're going to start that at 6.30, and then we'll, we'll watch for the next eight weeks, um, all eight episodes of that. But don't miss that. All right. If you would, would you take out your bulletin? Happy Palm Sunday. I am excited to be here. We're going to do a lot of great things today. We're going to be bringing in new members. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday, and we are also going to have communion, which is probably what I'm most excited forward to experience that with you guys. But in your bulletins, there are some announcements. You can see the chosen announcement there. Um, Mikey Ellis has stepped up and will be heading our prayer ministry. So if you want to be a part of that prayer ministry, I know a number of you have reached out and said that you'd like to be a part of that. Please get with him. We're going to be getting together and and seeing what exactly that entails and what it looks like. So um, if you feel led to that, if you're a prayer warrior, we need you. And uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, Also, too, if you brought candy or eggs for next Sunday, please just put those in the office or on the counter on the left-hand side as you go out of here. We'll take all that there. Um, And uh, if I could get Andy and Mikey to kind of get ready. So last Sunday, we did the parable of the talents. How many of you were not here for last Sunday? I know there's a bunch, right? Okay, cool. So this is purely optional, and, and let me explain it to, to you first before you take one of these. So what we're doing, the parable of the talents is all about a master who goes away, and he entrusts his wealth to his stewards, all right? And to one steward, he gives one talent, to another two talents, to another five talents, and then some of those stewards go out and earn more money, take that money earn more money with it, and then bring it back to the master. Um, One, unfortunately, buries it and hides his talent and doesn't do anything with that. All right, so what we did last week was we handed out envelopes with either $10, $20, or $50 to everybody that wants... I'm getting a lot of echo here. Anybody that wants to um, participate with this. So $10, $20, $50. What we asked you is we are entrusting you with this money to go out and to grow it to use it to earn more money to bring back into the church. Now, all this money is not going to stay in this building. In fact, 100% of the money that we raise is going to go towards charities. Charities outside the church, charities inside the church. We want to we get a van to, to bus kids around. We want to support Miriam House, which is a transitional housing. If, if a woman is pregnant and she has a child and she doesn't have anywhere to stay, they will help her, give her a place to stay for a couple years, and then help her get back on her feet to get back out into the world. We want to support Abigail Pregnancy. We want to support Starting Point. There are a number of ministries. We want to support House of Hope, which is also a transitional program where guys who struggle with abuse, um, with alcohol abuse, or those types of things can go in there and stay, kind of get away from the world and be supported, grow, and then eventually get back on their feet. So there's a number of charities that you can choose from. Maybe you have your own charity that you want to to do it. Um, So we're asking you to do that. The church is giving away $2,000. Not giving away. We are entrusting $2,000 to you to grow. I'd love to see that doubled. 
I'd love to see these ministries have a huge windfall. So if you want to be a part of that, you, all you have to do is just raise your hand. We'll give you, a, um, it, we'll give you a, a sheet that tells you a, a little bit about what you can do. So how do you, how do you take this and double it? Right? Maybe you have a talent for baking. So maybe you use this $10, $20, and you go out and buy supplies, maybe some flour and stuff like that. You bake something, and then you sell that. And you say, you put it on Facebook, hey, I'm selling this for Miriam House. Is there anybody that wants to make a donation or buy these things and support Miriam House with it? And you sell that. And then whatever you make, you bring that back into the church, and then we'll send it to Miriam House. Uh, whatever your talents are, whatever your gifts are. Maybe you're a teenager and you have a lawnmower. Maybe you're going to take $10, put it in gas, and go out and mow people's lawns and ask for a donation. Maybe you're going to uh, wash and wax cars. You know, whatever it is, you know, be creative with this. This is a way to, to serve our community and also to bring awareness to these other charities, to these other uh, ministries. And this is a way to, to raise money for them. As a church, I don't want this money to come in for new carpet or anything like that. Like I said, all this money will go towards these ministries. We want to build the kingdom of God with this money. We want to invest this, grow it, and build the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. So if you want to be a part of this, all right, all you have to do right now is just raise your hand if you weren't here. Uh, you can have one envelope for each person. I'd love to see kids doing this. I'd love to see families get together, pool their money, and do something. Anything that you can think of and everything like that, just raise your hand and we'll give you that envelope or, or piece of paper. Don't be shy. All right, anybody? Not here last week? As they're, as they're passing that out, a um, couple of other announcements. With the parable of the talents, we challenge you to be good stewards, too of your money and what God entrusts to you. All right. I, would, I would ask you to consider tithing on your stimulus check that you get. Maybe that's an opportunity to, to support the church and, and do that on some money that you weren't even planning on. So would you pray about that? We, we just want you to be faithful with what God asks you to do and what God entrusts you to do. All right. That's all that about money. I think that is it. Easter Sunday's next week. We want to invite you to be a part of that and to invite your families and friends to that. We're going to have a great time and, and worship our Lord and Savior, right? All right. Would you stand with me? We want to turn our attention towards Christ during this time. And we want to prepare our hearts to worship Him, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that we are able to collectively come together and worship you. Father, we give you all praise and honor. Lord, you are our Savior. You are our Lord. And I pray that our hearts would be bent towards that. I pray that we would, we would give you this service. Lord, do what you want. Speak through the people that are singing. Soften our hearts, open our eyes and our ears to your word, to your message. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to hear through the holy word of God. Lord, let it change us. Let it make us look more like you. Father, I pray that we would be light to this dark world, collectively light, a city on a hill, 
and that we would share the good news. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.
team. I'm grateful that we have people that use their gifts and talents to give praise to our Lord and Savior, for He is worthy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. 
Oh, well, this is a fun time. This is now time to bring in some new members to our church. So if I could get those people that are coming in and uh, going to become new members to come up here. Yeah, if you just want to stand right up in front here, you can spread out if you want to. <laughs> I swear we're not all about money here. That's why, that's why we put the offering plates in the back. We don't even pass them. Um, uh, <laughs> Lanny had some money. I was getting ready to pay for membership. Yeah, no, you don't have to pay for membership. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right. Uh, today, I'm going to be speaking to these four, but I'm also going to be speaking to everyone that is a member already, right, to remind you of some things of what this means, and to anyone that wants to become a member or you are thinking about becoming a member, I hope you pay attention to what we're going to talk about and uh, go with us on this. But God intended for us to do life in community. That's why you see the majority of the Ten Commandments focus on how to live in community. He did not intend us to do this life alone. All right? And so um, God instituted the church to carry on the work of Christ. And it is, a, it is sacred and it is precious. It is in its intended form, a body like no other, in its intended form. There is intimate fellowship. There are relationships where we mentor those and help those that need to grow, right? There are relationships where we are mentored. And there, and there are the relationships where iron sharpens iron and we come alongside people and encourage each other in their walk. We help carry each other's burdens. We did a sermon on that, right? We help lift people up. We, are, we confessed our sins to Jesus Christ, but we are also able to confess what we struggle with to our brothers and sisters without fear of condemnation, right? And we lift each other up. We help each other along those paths. A lot of times we, when somebody comes to us and says something that they're struggling with, it's a place where we've been and we know what to do in that situation so we can help that person. In all sense, we are a family. We are a family. But that's not it. If, if that was it, we'd be missing out on a big part of what church is about. Because we are on mission. We are a family that is on mission together to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. To build the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to do as a church. That's what I want to remind you. If you are a member of this church, yeah, I want to see you attend. I don't want you to take that lightly because we're on mission. There is a job to do and we can only do that together by bringing our gifts and our talents that are entrusted to us by God together so that we can represent and carry on the work of Christ. Well, today I'm going to ask you to, again, affirm the doctrines and practices of the church and some things and some beliefs. And if you would, um, you'll answer, I do, all right? And I'll, I'll let you know when to do that, all right? First of all, we believe in one God, made up of three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that human beings are born into sin, that they need the work of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and are born again of the Holy Spirit. 
We believe that God calls us to have hearts that are cleansed through sanctification, through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that to each of these works of grace, the Holy Spirit gives witness. We believe that our Lord will return, that the dead will rise, and that all shall come to final judgment and its rewards and punishments. Do you heartily believe these truths? If answer, if so, answer, I do. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. Do you believe that He saves you now? Is it your desire to unite with the church of the Nazarene? Do you commit to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? I do. Will you strive with God's help to grow in your understanding and practice in a way that enhances the witness of the church? Will you endeavor in every way to glorify God by a humble walk, godly conversation, and holy service, by devotedly giving of your resources, talents, gifts, and by faithfully participating in the means of grace? Will you follow Jesus Christ all the days of your life, abstain from evil, and seek earnestly to perfect holiness of heart and life in the fear of our Lord? Well, I want to be the first one to welcome you to the Church of the Nazarene. Um, normally, we would have you stand up here and all the people would come and, and give you hugs and everything like that. In this day of COVID, we're, we're not going to do that. But let me say this. I would not bring you into this church if I did not believe your I do's or I wills. I would not. I heartily believe that. I've seen your walk. I've seen your service. I've seen how God has changed some of you especially. And I'm looking forward to what the future holds for each and every one of you in service. And I'm proud to serve alongside of you. I, I expect you to, to be here faithfully, to support this church, to support the members of this church, to be here for the other members of this church, to serve them in any way you can. I expect you to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and follow his leading. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, will you guys give me a hand in welcoming these four into the church body? Mikey Ellis. Thank you, brother. Lanny Gilbert. Thank you, brother. Love you. Love you, too. Katie Hall. Love you, sister. Welcome. Kevin Hall. Love you, brother. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, guys. You guys can be seated. I have some people that are interested in the next membership class. If that's you or if you want to join us, there's two people already. Please let me know and we'll, we'll get those started here pretty soon. Well, we are going to be in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. While you're turning there, are there any people that like puzzles and story problems, like both of them. Any people? No, come on, somebody. Yeah, you're weird. Yeah, all right. You like puzzles and story problems. All right, you are weird like me. All right, one of the weird. Anybody else want to admit to that? 
No, all right, all right. Well, you're going to like this one because there is a puzzle and a story problem at the end of this that I think is going to blow your mind if you've never heard it before. But John chapter 12, beginning at verses 1, we're going to go through, through 15. And I just want to read the first two verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Now, right at the start, where are we at timing-wise? I kind of want to compare today and what we're looking at with Easter week and Passion week and what was going on back then. So it starts off and says six days before Passover. Passover was the day that Jesus would be crucified, all right? So we, we, we accept that as being on Good Friday, all right? So six days before that would be like yesterday, all right, Saturday, the day before Palm Sunday. So just kind of file that away. Now, Jesus stops in Bethany right before he gets to Jerusalem because this is where his friend Lazarus was, right? And you know the story, Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And we learn in this passage that they give him a dinner in Jesus's honor. Of course, there is a custom, right? There is a custom that if somebody raises you from the dead, you have to give them a dinner, right, in their honor, right? doesn't matter what culture you're in. If somebody raises you and brings you back from the dead, you, you have to do that. So that's what Lazarus and his sisters are doing. They're giving Jesus this banquet, a thank you for raising me from the dead type banquet. That is the nicest thing that anybody's ever given me type banquet, right? Um, they are having this great celebration. End of verse 2, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary Mary was the sister of Lazarus, took about a pint of pure nard. Maybe some of your translations say spike nard. You can actually buy it on Amazon today. But it is an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, don't confuse this event with the other event where Jesus is anointed by a, quote, sinful woman. That's how the scriptures describe it in the house of the Pharisee Simon, right? This is a, a different anointing. This is another anointing. Verse 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, I don't want to skip over this because this is a, a beautiful act of worship, right? I mean, can you just picture the scene? Jesus is heading, right? heading to Jerusalem where he is going to be killed in six days. Here is a woman who is so thrilled with what Jesus has done in her life and her family's life that she takes her most prized possession, right? And she pours it out at Jesus' feet. Then she gets down. She gets down on her hands and knees and wipes his feet. The most disgusting part of Jesus' body with her hair, the most elegant part 
of her body. She gives her prized possession and the best part of herself. Don't miss that. I just love this picture and this scene because Mary's just out there, right? She's out there. She puts it all out there right in front of everyone. In our culture, we're so reserved, aren't we? Unless we're watching football, right? But we are in church. We hold our emotions back. We're taught to do that by society, especially us guys. You know, don't be that weird person, right? If you don't know this about me, I am a crier, right? Give me a good war movie, and I will, I will be bawling. And, and if somebody sacrifices themselves for somebody else, that always gets me going. My family makes fun of me. Uh, if I watch SEAL Team or Long Lost Family, I am going to be crying during those shows. Uh, Avengers Endgame, bawling, all right? Like six times, and I do a horrible job of hiding. And the more you hide it, the more weird it looks. So that's just me. Um, I cried at the Chosen trailer when I was grabbing that last night. Just that trailer brought me to tears. And again this morning, and of course, I was embarrassed and wanted to hide that. I hope that's not you. And I hope that's not you in here when the Holy Spirit moves you when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when you're looking at our Lord and Savior and he has just got you, I hope you feel the freedom to express whatever emotions that you have, right? I hope that you, are, you feel the freedom to raise your hand during worship. I hope that if you're not a hand raiser, that you feel perfectly fine not raising your hands during praise and worship. Whatever it is, whatever way he leads you, I just hope you're faithful to that and you go with that and you just worship him instead of trying to fit in with whatever the person next to you is doing you have freedom here here is a woman who doesn't care about image she just does she just wants to worship she doesn't care about what people think yeah it would be degrading to get on her knees right it would be degrading to take her hair like I said, the most elegant part of a woman's body back then was her hair. To take her hair and to wipe Jesus' feet. But my friends, all of her mind, all of her eyes, all of her entire focus was in on him, on Jesus. She wasn't looking to the right and to the left. She wasn't worried about what anybody said or thought. And I think if we could do the same thing, if we could just keep our eyes focused in on Jesus, I think we could worship in a way that he desires. Verse 9, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So picture this large crowd heading to Jerusalem for Passover. But when they hear about Lazarus and what had happened and Jesus, this guy who raised him from the dead, they want to go to Bethany. They want to see for themselves. They see him. They are blown away. And they start to follow this Jesus. And look how the chief priests react. These are the spiritual leaders of the day. Look how they react. 
Everyone is starting to follow him. So not only do we need to kill him, but we need to kill Lazarus as well. I read that and I think, man, that makes no sense. No sense for the religious leaders to think that way. Why can't they recognize the miracle that happened? Of all the people that should recognize it, they didn't. And here's the thing. People want to believe what they want to believe. No matter what's thrown into their face all too often. If they want to believe something, they will ignore things. They will reject things. They will fight against it. They will put up a wall and insulate themselves from that. When somebody doesn't want to believe in Jesus, they are not going to believe in Jesus no matter what's thrown in their face. When they determine that, it's just the way some people respond. doesn't matter how much evidence. It's all coincidences. They don't want to believe it in their hearts. Why is that, though? We react based on our desires. It's not about truth. It's about what we want to believe. These chief priests had a desire for popularity, for people to follow them and bow down to them, and Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus wasn't praising them as being the spiritual leaders of the day. In fact, he was confronting them. He was calling them out. And so what's their response? Not to bow down and worship their Messiah. They wanted to kill him and kill this Lazarus guy too. Meanwhile, though, the hype is growing. Verse 12, the next day, this would now be what? If it's Saturday, this is now Palm Sunday, right? The great cow that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Verse 15 is the fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament. Zechariah 9.9, you might want to write that down. I'm going to read it to you. Zechariah 9.9, and it talks about the king that is coming. Not mounted on a horse, ready for war, but coming in a time of peace, sitting on a donkey. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here Jesus is riding in on this young donkey, and you have this crowd waving these palm branches, right? And they are yelling some things. I saw some of you post these words on your Facebook. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Where do they come from? They come from another piece of Scripture, Psalm 118, if you want to write that down. Psalm 118. Now, what is really, really important for all of us to understand, what is happening right here, these people saying these things, is not some random event. Okay? These aren't just everyday random things that they're saying. They're actually quoting Scripture right here. And these two specific phrases, 
are, are really important to understand. Psalm 118, verse 25 says, O Lord, save us. Save us. Save us is the translation of Hosanna. That's what Hosanna means. So in our English Bibles, we translate it Hosanna. And it's really, O Lord, save us. A quote of this scripture. The next verse, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's the quote from Psalm 118 with these phrases. If you go up to verse 24 in that psalm, it says, one translation says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Do you remember that song? This is the day. Some of you are old and I need you to remember it. I was going to sing it, but I'm not going to, right? This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made right. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I grew up thinking that song was just about any other day. This is the day, right? Every day. This is the day the Lord has made right? We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, the sun's out. Not today, but if the sun was out, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. No, no. This psalm is referring to one specific day, Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem. My NIV translation says, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. So this Palm Sunday, we're going to read about, we are reading about a specific day that the people knew about and were waiting for. They knew this date. They knew the prophecy about this date. Well, how do we know that? How do we know that this was actually the date that they were waiting for and that's everything going on? This is where the riddle and the story problem comes in, all right? So, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. There is a prophecy there. Daniel is after Psalms and Isaiah towards the end of the Old Testament. The book of Daniel was completed about 530 B.C. 530 years before Christ is even born. Our nation has not even been around that long. right? So 530 years before Jesus is even born, this prophecy comes out. In Daniel 9.25 it says, Know and understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So let me explain this, all right? Daniel finds out through God that there is this ruler, this anointed one that is going to be coming, the Messiah. And, you're, and he knows that he's going to be able to know when he's going to come because there's going to be what at first? There's going to be an issuing of a decree to rebuild and restore Jerusalem. Now, the cool thing is, all right, we have this date recorded in Scripture. It's in Nehemiah 2, verse 1. It starts off there. Nehemiah, a few books before Psalms. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan... In the 20th year of King Adorexus. So in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Adorexus. Now, we have the month, it's Nisan. Whenever the Bible does not say a specific date, it's referring to the first day. So unless it would say the 15th day of Nisan, right, 
we know that when it just says the month of Nisan, it's referring to the first day of the month. So we're talking about Nisan 1 in the 20th year of King Adorexus. We learn from history that King Adorexus started his reign in 465 B.C. 465 B.C. Remember, they're counting down. So 20 years into that would be 445 B.C. In our calendar, that translates to March 5th, 445 B.C. So that's the reference point of the issuing of the decree. If you read Nehemiah 2, you see that Nehemiah comes before the king. He's distraught. He's kind of depressed, kind of bummed because Jerusalem, his home, is is lying in ruins. It's been destroyed. And the king really likes Nehemiah. He sees that he's down, and he's like, what's the matter? And so in Nehemiah 2, verse 4, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Verse 7, I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the Chans or Euphrates so that they will provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So not only does Nehemiah ask, hey, can I go be, rebuild Jerusalem? But he also asks, hey, can you give me a letter or a decree that I can give to these other people to make them help me out? Something for the guy with the forest to tell him that I need timbers and something to give the other, other governors so that they can grant me that safe passage. This is the decree, and the king gives it to him on March 5th, 445 B.C. Now, we take that date and we go back to Daniel 9.25, which says, From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Seven sevens, that's seven seven-year periods. Math people, how many years? 49. All right, good. This one, next one's going to be a little bit harder. All right. Then we're going to have 62 sevens, 62 seven-year periods. How long is that? Oh, I got you there. What? 434, good job. All right, so 434 plus 49, we're at 483 years. Not too hard of a story problem, right? right? We have the starting point, so then it's just a matter of adding March 5th to 445 and adding those 483 years, right? Wrong, all right? There's a trick. The Hebrew and Jewish calendar only has 360 days in it compared to our 365 days. So you take 360 times 483 and you get 173,880 days. If you take March 5th, 445 B.C. and add those 173,000 days, you end up with March 30th, 33 A.D. The exact day that Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That is why the people are yelling, Hosanna. They knew the Messiah was coming. Hosanna, or which really means, O oh Lord, save us. 
They knew the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah, and they hear about this Jesus who raises people from the dead, right? Who heals the leper, who heals the blind man. He fulfills all the messianic prophecies about the Messiah. And that's why they're yelling, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This particular Palm Sunday was not just any other day. It was something that was prophesied over 500 years ago, and the people were waiting for it. Jesus was the one that they were waiting for. Now here's the thing. They understood that this was the day. But Jesus wasn't the Savior that they wanted. And they missed it. The majority missed it. See, they wanted a king. They wanted a ruler. They wanted a military king to come and free them from the bondage that they were in to Rome. They were subject to Rome. They had been conquered by Rome. And they were praying for the Messiah, waiting for the Messiah to come and lead them out of that bondage. They thought the Messiah would overthrow the Roman government. But that's not what the prophecy says in Daniel 9. Daniel 9.25, no one understands this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. Verse 26, after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. So yes, the ruler was going to come on this day and there would be a celebration, but after that, the anointed one would be put to death. When Jesus arrived on that day, Palm Sunday, the people were rejoicing. They had been waiting. Finally, the Messiah is here. This is the one we've been waiting for. They heard the stories. But Jesus wasn't what they expected. Jesus wasn't what they were hoping for. And on Sunday, they're saying, Hosanna. By Friday, they're saying, crucify him. When Jesus wasn't what they expected or wanted, the majority missed him. And my friends, today it's the same way. People don't want to believe. And they miss it. If that's you, don't miss it. Amen? Don't miss it. There is a God who loves you. A God who died on a cross for you while we were still sinners. Amen? While we were still sinners. We didn't earn that. We didn't do anything to get him to do that. He did that so that he could pay a price for us, the price of our sin, so that we could have our relationship with God restored, so that we could have life and life to the fullest. My friends, don't miss that. Jesus might not be what you expected or, or what you want, 
but he's the Savior we all need. Amen? Today is Palm Sunday. We remember our Lord and Savior. We remember him coming into Jerusalem and we shout, Hosanna! Lord, save us! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen? In a moment, we're going to take communion. We're going to be sharing in the Lord's Supper. Jesus Christ, while He was in the flesh, He started two traditions in the church. Communion and baptism. Communion commemorates Jesus' suffering and death. And that's what we're going to be sharing in. Baptism carries a picture of Jesus' resurrection. Right? On the Thursday of this week, that we're looking at after Palm Sunday, right before he was crucified, he met with his followers and shared the Lord's Supper with them. And I want to read the scripture passage to you. It's found in Luke twenty-two, fourteen through 20. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, check this out. Listen to this. Christ knows what's coming. He knows what tomorrow will mean. He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. Today, we are going to do this in remembrance of him. Did everybody get a communion cup? Does anybody need one, one of the little cups? Everybody has one? Great. All right. Um, I want to invite you all to participate in communion. But here's the thing, all right? You have to understand it. You have to be a follower of Christ to, to participate. If you're young and you understand that, you're welcome to do this. doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You have to be committed, though to following Jesus Christ. It was a sign of the new covenant that Jesus did with his followers. And that's what we're going to be doing today. It is for those who have confessed their sin, right, to the Lord, turned from their old life and agreed to follow him and are trusting in him for their salvation. The closer I grow to God, the more that I realize there is nothing that will save me except for the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you put all of your trust in what Jesus Christ did and not through anything that you do, I want you to participate in this. All right? So if you would, take the little cup. These are a little bit different. On the bottom, there is a little piece of bread. All right? So if you'd open that up, be careful. Don't open the other end up right now. All right? But this represents the bread. All right, please take the bread. The bread represents the body of Jesus Christ given for you. Take a minute 
and remember what he did for you, what he endured for you, how he suffered for you, how what he did gives us life. And then when you're ready, take the bread and eat of it. When you're ready, you can flip it over. This is the juice. Some people use wine. But the juice represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was poured out for us, that was shed for us. It is a sign of the new covenant, the new faith that we have. We believe that Jesus Christ died once and for all for our sins. And the blood that was poured out covers those sins. It is a sign of the new covenant. After you have let that sink in and thought about that, drink this in remembrance that Jesus Christ died for you and be thankful for that. Would you stand with me? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to come talk to me. Text me. Come grab me. Grab somebody else in the church maybe that you look up to. And let's talk about this. All right? Don't miss out. Don't miss it. Right? Don't miss Jesus Christ and this full life that he has for you. Love you all. Glad you're here. Invite somebody out next week for Easter. Who are you inviting out? Who are you thinking about? Who needs to hear the good news? My friends, it's not just about this service. Man, God has entrusted you with people in your past at work, in friendships, and random occurrences. Don't miss those opportunities to share the good news with people about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, we remember you. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for what you did for us. Lord, I, I sometimes wonder why you would be willing to do that for me, for us, Lord. But I give you all praise. And I say thank you, Lord. We all say thank you, Lord for what you've done for us. Lord, we, we, we ask that you would help us to live a life worthy of the grace of God that's been given to us. Lord, give us opportunities to share the good news, to share that grace with other people that don't know you. Lord, open up their eyes and their ears and our hearts, Lord. I know if people close themselves off, I know it's hard, but I know that you are still able to get past that, that your Holy Spirit is able to convict. And Lord, and so I pray that you would do that, that you would invite us into that process, Lord, and you would give us those opportunities. Father, help us to, to give you all praise and honor and glory, Lord, with everything that we do in our lives. Lord, we just love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Happy Palm Sunday.